0: what is up hello there my name is jessica patching bunch you can call me jpb and this is brain body resilience this is a podcast dedicated to growth human development and stressing a little bit less so you can go ahead and live a little bit more hello my friends welcome back to brain body resilience podcast i'm still your host jpb This is the second episode in this 10-part series looking at the foundations and some of the pillars that I structure the framework of brain-body resilience. We are looking at stress again today because until we understand how something works, we cannot manage or control it very well. So here we are. We're picking up back where we left off last week, the good, the bad, everything in between. This episode, we are going to get a little bit technical and I'm going to nerd out a little bit. Um, So let's go ahead and recap. Uh, Last week, just really quick here. we Last episode, we dove a little bit into relevant types of stress, which ones we need to pay attention to, the fact that not all stress is created equal and not all stress affects us in the same way. Again, if we don't know what stress is, where it's coming from, how it's affecting us, where we need to direct our focus. We can't even begin to take the steps needed to address how it's functioning or how it's affecting us and then manage it in a better way. And one more time for the cheap seats, not all stress is bad. There's no such thing as a stress-free life. We need it, just not too much of it. So what we do know getting into this right away here, is that our always on always connected lifestyle is filled with stress, and a severe lack of work life balance for a lot of us. Um, You know, we, we see all of these constant tragedies on the media and are just bombarded with comparison filled reality TV and social media. And all of this takes their toll takes its toll takes a toll All these things take a toll on us, on our cognitive load, on our stress response, on how we feel living in our world, on the judgments we place on ourselves, and how we feel about how we are living. And these things actually affect our stress. So then these constant long-term stressors take a toll on our system. Um, And that happens through... The prolonged release of these stress hormones that we're going to talk a little bit about later in this episode, which help to elevate the blood pressure and then take a toll on our cardiovascular system, that's overworked, our immune system is then weakened, our digestive system is weakened and isn't functioning properly. Um, And all of these these things are the reasons that you feel run down and exhausted and unmotivated and can't shut your brain off when you try to wind down. Um, Or even when you're trying to be mindful, your brain just won't give you that space. Uh, So let's talk about what is actually happening in your body. I use the term stress response a lot. Um, So let's look at what that actually is. It is your hypo it is your hpa axis and that stands for hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis those are the pieces of our body responsible for our stress response so the actual stress response begins in our brain when something we see or hear catches our attention this information is sent straight from the eyes and ears to the amygdala and our amygdala is a little area in the brain that is kind of like the emotional um, processing center. And the amygdala takes and interprets this information that it's given, the images or sounds, and if it perceives danger, it instantly sends a distress signal to the hypothalamus. So the hypothalamus is like the command center that communicates with the body through our autonomic nervous system. And the autonomic nervous system controls body functions like breathing, blood pressure, heartbeat, digestion, the dilation of our uh, blood vessels, small airways, and uh, silly things like goosebumps. So our autonomic system, our ANS, has two parts that complement each other. We've talked about these before, our sympathetic system and our parasympathetic system. And so the sympathetic system is the one that operates like that gas pedal in our car, that analogy I like, triggers that fight or flight response, and then provides the body with the resources and energy that we need to respond to that perceived danger. Now, I want to make a distinction here because danger doesn't necessarily, this is an evolutionary biological response. So danger at one point was a very physical very life threatening danger and that is what that response how that that yeah, how that response still acts as though there is a life and death situation but now we have evolved our brains have evolved our capacity our cognitive capacity our awareness the world around us all of these things have evolved and so that danger that is perceived isn't necessarily a physical threat. It isn't necessarily a life threatening situation. It can be something that is a danger to how we feel, how we see ourselves, um, a you know perceived danger in the way of our social acceptance. All of these things contribute to our stress response firing. So when it does, then the parasympathetic system is kind of the the yin to that yang, the opposite the balance to that side. And that system operates like like the brake pedal. If your sympathetic system is the gas pedal, the parasympathetic system is the brake. And it uh, is what helps us rest, digest, relax, rejuvenate, calm after this perceived danger has, you know, passed. So, let's re- recap our sensory systems, our eyes, our ears, whatever it is, our senses, send, a, send all the information. Your amygdala is kind of keeping an eye out to see what's going on. It's the emotional control center. Um, and it will send that distress signal to the hypothalamus, which is the control center for like everything else that cascades the, the physiological cascade of effects into our body. And what that does is then activate the sympathetic system by sending signals through the autonomic nerves to our adrenal glands. And what those do is respond to that signal they get with a release of hormones and chemicals into our bloodstream, things like adrenaline, cortisol, um, DHEA, uh, depending on our response, this this differs, we're going to go into that a little bit. And that via those chemical messengers, that communication system that we have in our body, that sends different messages all over the body for changes that need to happen in order to potentially keep us alive or, you know, uh overcome this challenge, this this perceived threat and danger. So what happens with that is our heart starts to beat faster, sending more blood to the heart and other muscles so that we can react. Again, it's giving us these resources. We start breathing a little bit heavier and our airways actually open to increase the amount of oxygen so that we can get more oxygen to our brain, so that we can be more alert, our sight and our hearing become a little bit clearer so that we can be more aware of our surroundings. And then that adrenaline signals for the release of more glucose, um, or blood sugar, and fats are taken from a temporary storage to All of these things to give us more energy, more blood sugar, more, um, adrenaline, more fats taken from the supply that we just always have all hands on deck. We need energy right now. That is what our focus is. So then because of these things, we are not sending energy to things that are not immediately vital, like digestion or your immune system. Um, And so all these reactions in the body happen so fast that we're not actually consciously aware of them. We're not making these decisions like, oh, this is what needs to happen now. We don't even know it's happening consciously. The amygdala is faster than our conscious perceptual processing. So a lot of the time it acts and sends out all these signals, all these processes are already happening in our body before we're even fully aware that there's a potential danger that we've, before we've been able to consciously process. you know, this thing, notice a feeling about it, or see a danger, perceive a threat, finish our thought process, all of these things have already happened. And so because of that, it's really hard for a lot of us to know how to engage the brakes on our stress response, because it's happened before we're even aware of it. And then so then these chronic low level stresses that we talked about last time keep that HPA access activated. That circle is just, it's creating a loop. And after a while, that's when we have emotional, mental, physical uh, burnout and disease that is created. There's a dis-ease in our body. And so when we're looking at these things, when we look at this um, the stress that goes from that acute stress to the chronic, the, the long-term stress that we talked about last episode, our brains, the way that it connects, its connectivity, its neural patterns adapt to the new setting that becomes our new kind of baseline, our new normal, because our stress response is an adaptive state. We are learning, again, how to survive, how to get away from that danger, how to protect ourselves. And so when we are in these stressful states, the physiology that is uh, how our physiology is working in that time, we are learning and adapting to that. And so what that means is that the temporary weakening of the prefrontal control of uh, emotions and behavior of our digestion, all of these things that are not immediately needed for survival the the temporary kind of diversion of the resources to these areas turns into a persistent dysregulation, and then it continues, and then there's this major imbalance between the ability to access these areas to have proper digestion, to access our frontal lobe, which you know gives us the ability to be rational and um, self reflect and self regulate and find um, empathy and why can I not uh, compassion? Words are not coming to me, which is important here on this podcast. Anyways, all of these higher level exec- executive functioning skills, um, we then lose a little bit of access to. And when that happens, when we have a uh, you know diminished access to our prefrontal lobe, our prefrontal cortex, our frontal lobe, this kind of executive control center of our brain from that chronic stress, from the prolonged release of those hormones and that physiological response and diversion of those resources. What this does is this has the potential to cause an impaired emotional regulation long-term, along with changes in motivation, behavior, the ability to feel pleasure, all these things, again, that we don't have access to if we can't, um, if we don't have access and control over our frontal lobe. And then with that prolonged stress response, the world becomes a little less balanced. And we might find ourselves dwelling on the negative. When our mind wanders um, we're gonna go we're gonna look at the negative things because again we already have that negative bias because your brain is searching constantly for threat but then when we have that emotional dysregulation also because our our em- emotional brain has essentially hijacked control from our thinking brain we're going to go to all of the the negative the the what ifs the this can lead us down down the road of shame and blame and guilt and all of these kind of negative self directed feelings as well as the story we're coming up with um, it's going to turn into this negative feedback loop that is uninhibited because the prefrontal lobe is not there to say hey wait a minute does this make sense what can i do about this how do i how do i think about this what are the what are the facts involved what what, what do we have you know let's be rational we don't have that and that can make it feel really difficult once that feedback loop starts to get out of it, to disengage in the constant negativity and focus here and now on what's happening in this moment, rather than trying to think of all the bad things that could possibly happen, all the bad things that have led to this moment and this feeling that we're in right now that's so negative. And this can spiral into depression And severe anxiety, unless there are interventions made. This is the entire reason I'm talking to you today. This is the whole reason I I do what I do because interventions can be made. And oftentimes we just don't know what they are. We don't know how to access them. We don't know um, how much control we actually have over ourselves and how much agency we have. And we let these things go until we reach a stage of burnout. And then by the time we get to burnout, we don't have the ability to down regulate to you know kind of turn off or or just lessen get a hold on that negative um feedback loop and without that regulation, these negative emotions can just take over and then lend to a whole uh complete negative bias making the world just in general seem uncertain and unsafe, which then increases the unsafe and anxious feelings, because remember our brains, you know, the worst thing for our brain and nervous system are uncertainty and lack of control. And so then these feelings that go on and create these feedback loops in the brain and the body. um, And so that's what we need to intervene before we get to that state. And even if we are in that state, we can still intervene because neuroplasticity is a beautiful thing. We're going to talk about that in the episode about brain. So moving on, we know that the effects of chronic stress are contributed to and also upheld, reinforced, or prevented, buffered, and mitigated a little bit by our diet, our behavior, our mindset, our lifestyle, our sleep patterns, our activity levels, all of these things. And these are all the things we're going to cover in more detail later uh, later on in this, this mini series. That's what this is all about. But first, we will have one more episode on our stress. Next episode, we are going to be uh, looking at how we can view stress in a different way, and then how that actually changes how we, our stress response works and the types of Responses that are possible with a different type of mindset. Um, so, I want you to think about this question as I leave you today. I'm going to leave you with this. Um, I will preface this by just saying that our mindset is made of everything that we believe. Um, it biases how we think, the lens through which we view the world, and how we feel and how we act. It's like this filter that we see everything through. And our mindset and thoughts and beliefs about stress are no different than anything else. They exist. And I want you to think about which one of these mindsets you most identify with. Mindset number one, stress is harmful. Experiencing stress depletes my health and vitality. Experiencing stress inhibits my learning and memory and growth. Experiencing stress debilitates my productivity and performance. Stress is negative and should be avoided. Mindset two, stress is enhancing. Experiencing stress enhances my productivity and performance. Experiences of stress improve my health and vitality. Experiencing stress facilitates my learning and growth. The effects of stress are positive and should be utilized. All right, just mull those over and um, be honest about which one you feel like makes the most sense to you. Keep that in mind, and we will come back next week and talk a little bit more about that. Until then, I am always so, so grateful for you. I I am astounded at some of the uh, responses I get and the messages telling me that these things are useful and all that jazz. That's the whole reason I do this. I'm so, so happy to know that. I am happy to be here sharing whatever it is I know with you. If you find it useful, please share it with a friend. Um That's all. Until next week, I hope you have a beautiful week. We'll talk later. Peace out.